dear friends in Christ. Is there anyone who wants to be humbled to be humiliated? I don't think so, and yet it does happen, doesn't it? We make a mistake. We make a wrong turn. We make a misjudgment. And then it becomes known. And our actions and our words, they have consequences when we do things like that. And of course, oh, we're humiliated. We may even be demoted. We may be fired. We may be ostracized because of something we did. That's no fun, is it? Nobody wants to bring that on themselves. And yet, that's exactly what our Savior did. And it wasn't because of any mistake he had made, any misjudgment on his part, any wrong turn. No, he had never done that. He did it for us. He did it to redeem us, to, to bring us back to God. He lowered himself. He humiliated himself. Well, let us look at what he did here. The basis of a passage which is quite well known for showing this, how Jesus humbled himself and then was lifted up at the end. Now, how does it fit in our, you know, how to overcome temptation? But, you know, when we're tempted to sin, maybe even to avoid humiliation in some way, it's a good to look at what Jesus did for us as a way to fend off that temptation also. So we begin reading in Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So make mistake, no mistake about it. To begin with, Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. He is equal to the Father and the Holy Spirit in every way. Paul establishes that by saying here, being in very nature God, that's what he was to start with. And then talking about equality with God, that was all true of Jesus. Twice in Jesus' ministry, at least, twice that we know of, the Holy Father, Heavenly Father, from heaven, when Jesus was baptized, again, when he was uh, transfigured before, the, uh, before three disciples, certified, this is my son. And that became evident in some of the things he did when he was transfigured before the di three disciples. It was clear this is the glory of him as the son of God. In his miracles, there was a little bit of that glory shining through. Even as in the uh, gospel reading, we heard how he knew exactly where to, to tell his disciples to go to find that donkey 
and exactly what the people would say that they talked to. Part of his divine glory shining through. Uh, so writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is establishing here, Jesus is God. Therefore, as God, he is the creator. The creator of the whole universe. The one in charge of the whole universe. Ruler of all. Everything is from him, from the beginning. He has everything under his control. Nothing is out of his reach. No one can touch them, touch him. He could have anything he wanted. This was Jesus as he really was and is. But then we read, He made himself nothing. Uh, <clears throat> or another way to translate this more literally is, He emptied himself. All that glory and majesty, he laid it aside uh, <clears throat> and took on the very nature of a servant. So he became a human being. He took on a human nature in addition to the divine nature that he already had. Now he has a human nature and a divine nature. Uh, he set aside all that power and glory, which he continued to have. He always had that as long as he's on this earth. He just set it aside. He, he didn't use it. Uh, only showed through from time to time. Most of the time while he was on this earth in a visible way, he lived as an ordinary human being. He subjected himself to the same limitations that we human beings have. He had to eat, had to sleep, he had to drink, he had to rest, he had to study, he had to learn. All those things that we humans do that, that God doesn't do. He was subject to suffering, to sadness, to injury, even to death. Though there was one big difference. He had never committed a sin that was worthy of death. So he didn't have to die, but still, he died. Now, going from king of kings to impoverished servant, that is quite a transition, a huge transition that Jesus did willingly. Most people would not do that, would they? Most people want to hold on to the, the power, the, the glory, the uh, prestige that they have, however much they have. You don't want to let that go. You don't want to be, have that taken away from you. Uh, they want to enjoy their wealth, however much that might be. They want to be able to enjoy what they have. Uh, <clears throat> and they want to be served, not to serve. Who wants to serve? But... That's what Jesus did. Uh, <clears throat> only when it's forcibly taken away from a person does a person then submit to being humbled, to not having what they really thought or should be theirs. And then going beyond that, and being found in appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Again, we see, no, Jesus had committed no sin. Not in deed, not in word, not even in thought. Never one sin. Had never earned the wages of sin, which is death. Jesus had challenged his enemies one time, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And they couldn't. Now, that he didn't have to die, does that make any of them less human? Well, you know, God did not create mankind to die. Before they committed sin, Adam and Eve, they were not destined to die. That was not, that's not part of the essence of being a human being. It's not intrinsic to being human. Uh, but Jesus did die. He became obedient to death. It was part of the plan God had made, and Jesus was in on this plan as the Son of God, to redeem mankind, to pay for the sins of mankind, uh, <coughs> In serving men, instead of, so instead of mankind dying, which is what we are destined for, the wages of sin is death, Jesus died. Jesus, the Son of God, died in our place so that we wouldn't have to die eternally. Jesus took this on himself. All this plan from the beginning that he was going to come to earth to be a human being, become a human, and then to die, to save us. But it wasn't just any death. It says he was died even a death on a cross. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, crucifixion is one of the most, if not the most, awful, painful, excruciating ways of executing a person that, that mankind has ever invented. A person can hang on a cross for days before he dies, the whole time in excruciating pain. That's uh, pretty terrible. Uh, but it's also one of the most ignominious forms of execution there was. This was reserved for the very worst, the very most despicable of criminals in society. It was a real humiliating way to be executed besides being painful. But there's more to this. In the Old Testament, we don't see that the Jews practiced crucifixion. But there was a rather common practice that a particularly despicable uh, criminal, after he was executed, was impaled on a pole. Of course, it would have been a wooden pole and stood up for people to view, to put on display. Uh, <clears throat> and this is something really that seems to be is somewhat widely practiced, actually. The heads of traders in England were put on, a, there was a steel a pole, and put on London Bridge to be displayed. They were t 
dozens of them, I guess, up there at times, they would parboil them and coat them in tar so they would last longer to display these particularly despicable traitors, uh, <coughs> warlords in Mexico. They take some of their victims, hang them from bridges and poles, put on display for everybody. But in the Old Testament, yeah, the practices, but God made limits to this. He said that anyone who's put on a pole like that had to be taken down the very same day that it was put up because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. Being hung on a pole is under God's curse. And then Paul uses this when he explains uh, in Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. All this shows that, that Jesus experienced God's curse while hanging on that cross because of the sins of the world which he was carrying, which his heavenly Father cannot tolerate, turned away from. He cried out, that his heavenly father had abandoned him on the cross. He was feeling the full weight of that curse. He was looking literally into the abyss of hell while he was hanging on the cross. And that was worse than the suffering of the crucifixion itself. So we see again here, Jesus was obedient to death on a cross. And finally, you know, having carried out his work, he died. He had successfully become obedient to death, even death on a cross. In the process of doing this, he paid for our sins. He washed away our sins. He erased our sins. He nailed them to the cross, Peter puts it in one place. So then God no longer looks at our sins. He no longer sees our sins because Jesus took them to the cross and paid for them there. He looks at us. He looks at you and says, You are my dear children. My holy children. Now, some people don't believe this. And so, they have to continue to suffer for their sins. They don't get to experience the, the wonderful freedom that this gives, that Jesus took away those sins by dying on that cross. It's like a prisoner sitting in a prisoner cell, prison cell. The door is wide open, but he refuses to leave. He doesn't believe it. He's still imprisoned, isn't he? But we, we can be thankful to God. He has led us to believe, to believe in Jesus, to believe that Jesus did this. And now we are free of our sins. We have peace with God because Jesus was obedient to that death on the cross. And what happens after that? Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So first we read how Jesus humbled himself, how he emptied himself, and now we see Jesus was exalted to the highest place. 
once his work was done on that cross and before that cross, he was lifted up. He was raised up. He was exalted to the highest place. Uh, <clears throat> he continues, by the way, to be human. He is still fully human, but not subject to the limitations of being that we suffer as, or we endure as being human beings. Uh, <clears throat> he once again, after this, was able to take up and use again the, all the power and the glory and the majesty he had from the beginning uh, as the Son of God. Uh, he now sits in heaven, or looking at it another way, because he is everywhere present. He sits everywhere and, and rules everything as the king of the universe, and he rules it for us, his people. Those of us, he, he made us his people, and now he rules the world for us. And he is worthy of being praised uh, above everything that is in this earth and on the earth and under the earth. Now, those who believe in him, as us, we praise him every time we contemplate what he has done for us. Now, those who refuse to believe in him now, they will be confronted with him on the last day and be forced to acknowledge and see, yes, he is worthy of all that praise uh, even as they are going on to eternal perdition. The throngs accompanying him on that first Palm Sunday were giving a preview, you might say, of this exaltation after he would finish his work. Singing his, his praise, uh, <clears throat> that was different. Because just days after they sang, you know, Hosanna in the highest, blessed are you, come in the name of the Lord, those cries of praise and glory went silent and were replaced with cries of crucify him, crucify him. As we'll hear again this coming Good Friday. It seemed that when they cried out crucify him, they got their way. They did crucify him, and yet they were falling into God's hands because this crucifixion carried out God's very plan to save us. Their evil deeds were used to carry out God's plans. And he would do this, and after it, he would be exalted. So, what now? Well, this is where we start. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's how this whole passage starts. Uh, have the same mindset as Jesus, who made himself nothing. Now, as we have considered the mindset of Jesus and what his mindset drove him to do, this is not easy, is it? Uh, <clears throat> We are plagued with a mindset from our sinful nature, which does not want to let go of what we think we should have, doesn't want to give up any of our rights, doesn't want to make ourselves nothing like Jesus did. And then we look at Jesus. And we look how he 
made himself nothing, how he emptied himself for us. And then we also put our trust in him because he can take care of us as we empty ourselves to serve him and serve others. You know, because when we make ourselves nothing, when we empty ourselves, we are making ourselves vulnerable to people around us. But Jesus has promised to take care of us in that. And we see that he has the power to, to do that. So we can take on this mindset of Jesus, emptying ourselves, forget about self, concentrate on helping others, not just family and friends, but anyone we run into around us that, that needs our help. Uh, <clears throat> and Jesus will be there. Jesus will take care of us. Now, if we've only loosely connected this theme to our theme for the last few weeks of overcoming temptation. And yet, when we consider the temptations, the temptations, I don't want to let go of myself. I don't want to lower myself. I, I, I don't want to, I want to hang on to my rights and my glory. When we consider those temptations, look to Jesus when he humbled himself, when he made himself nothing what he did there, what he did for us, and that will be the best antidote there is to such temptations. And then what else? What else should we do? Yeah, blessed, we turn to the crowds on Palm Sunday. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest, which is exactly what the exaltation says would happen, that he would be glorified. We join with those throngs on Palm Sunday that first Palm Sunday, and sing the praises to our Savior, more fully understanding than they did why he was worthy of that, because he had carried out his work. We have seen how he carried out that work. And, and note how they praise him there. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. So join the Palm Sunday crowd in glorifying Jesus. They greet him, first of all, as King. King of all, King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who created all, who is in charge of all, and who rules us in his heart. He, is, uh, he comes in the name of the Lord. He is not only the Son of God, he is the anointed of God, the one designated, chosen by God to, to carry out this work of saving us uh, and peace. Peace is what he came to bring. Peace, it's that same peace the angels sang about on that very first night when Jesus was born. The peace we have with God because our sins are forgiven. The peace that fills our hearts because we know we have, there's nothing, no problems we have with our God. So let us join those crowds and together speak his praise. Together. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Amen.